Welcome back to the show, everybody. A few episodes back, if you remember, Dan Janal suggested you act like a Frenchman to be confident on stage. So I went out and find you one, but not just any Frenchman. We're talking about a guy who gets the call from the CEO or the leader when shit hits the fan. So what do you do when your business partner doesn't want to speak to you? And there's a highly toxic environment at work. You need powerful tools and strategies to face extreme situations. This guy, that's what he does. We'll discuss the importance of presence when communicating in high-pressure situations and how to use body language to get your message across with authenticity and power. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Louis the Sage Bourgarel. <laughs> Feeling good? Yeah, all right. So just to give you a bit of background here, Louis. In English, do you prefer uh, Louis or Louis? Mm, let's say Louis. It, uh, Louis yeah. means that uh, you are a bit uh, uh, more near nearest from France. Yeah, it sounds Louis yeah, it sounds Louis. more French. So let's go with Louis. The goal here is to help John. Okay, John is a fifty-five-ish year old millionaire. He's the boss. He's the entrepreneur. He's the artist. He's the star. But the thing is. He's secretly afraid of communicating and public speaking in front of the camera or doing a speech for even his employees. So that's where the, the crux is at. So for, for people that are with low self-esteem, it's normal for them to be afraid of these type of situations. But he's the man. He's the boss. But secretly, he's got internal issues. So I want to bring you over here to... As we discussed in a pre-show, the importance of real confidence and not faking it with any type of NLP tricks or you know anchoring and stuff like that. So, in your opinion, which what you've seen in a in a bunch of situations, why do you think most speeches suck so bad? Most speeches uh, suck so bad because. Uh... I think we are dissociating. We are uh, one man that tries to speak and one man that is judging himself or uh, feeling judged by others that don't judge uh, them at all, but, uh, but never mind. So there are two people in one man. It, it, it's a mental disease sometimes, but it's human. The dissociation is, is, is a great thing. Oftentimes, I have a formula for that, actually. The formula is the percentage of your awareness that is directed at yourself diminishes the dimmer of your presence accordingly. So if some, so it's as if the person goes out of themselves, sits in the crowd, and internally judges his own self, perceiving himself like that. So that whole time, it splits his awareness in half and he's got less power and less presence and less poise on stage. Mm -hmm. So do you have any stories or situation where, like high pressure situations where people had to use either physicality, confidence, uh, tone of voice, or specific wordings to, uh, to diffuse situations within them or within others? Or if you got any ideas of to share to, to help John here of how to deal with his own internal issues so that he himself inside himself can calm himself better 
while speaking to people? Mm, yeah, wording or physical. Um, I'm thinking of, there are many ways to do that. I'm thinking of wording right, then, right now. And uh, I was uh, insinuating a few minutes ago that uh, that guy uh, was in conflict with himself, dissociation and two people fighting with each other or not fighting, but having different points of view and different focuses. Uh, and let's say they are going to negotiate and there, there is one of them uh, that will say things to the other uh, so that uh, the other one accepts himself and feels accepted and then the second part will be uh, uh, he will be given a mission and when someone is given a mission, then uh, you, uh, you, you run uh, very, uh, uh, very easily everywhere you want, even speaking in, in big crowd, big, uh, in front of big crowds. And I can invent you a few words uh, about that uh, right now if you want. Yeah, let's go. Hmm. What's the name of the, that guy again? John. John. Yeah, and, and their own purpose is, yeah, because one of the guys I asked, I asked him, we were helping John, and he said, if John would behave like a Frenchman, if John was Jean-Louis, for example, he said, he would be confident on stage. So I, I, I mean, we, we, we got the Frenchman that <laughs> people go see when they need help with this. So any stories are good, and John is, is, is wide open. Okay. So I will speak to John and I will explain John what he, sh he, he should say to the other half of John. Yes. And so uh, I will say, John, please repeat after me uh, those words. Uh, repeat them, except if you, you feel uneasy about some of them. Uh, you can refuse uh, uh, at every uh, at every moment, but I invite you to to repeat uh, what I what I say. And right now, close your eyes so that you are in communication with the different parts of yourself, because you are a madman, <laughs> as I am. Uh, yeah, some parts of you, John, wants to speak and someone uh, is afraid and is self-judgmental and uh, fears the judgment of others. So I invite you to, to close your eyes, uh, John, and I will do the same. Uh, and John, I will, uh, I will uh, speak like that. Uh, hey, my name is John. Uh, some part of me wants to give something to this crowd, to offer something to this crowd, and that's a, a noble cause and an important uh, project. And another part of uh, that job uh, looks outside, looks elsewhere, looks inside himself and uh, feels judged. And, uh, and also feels like he's inside the crowd looking at the other half of me, John, and, uh, and that makes him feel uneasy. So uh, John number one, who, who has a mission, is going to speak to John, John number two, who is influenced by the judgment uh, culture and habits that we have. 
the John uh, with a mission will say, uh, hey, John, which has this judgment habit, you may have this, uh, this judgment temptation. You may, may feel judgmental. I authorize you to be judgmental because you are like that. And uh, you are part of me, by the way. You are part of me. You are maybe I call you a dark side of me. And sometimes I hate that dark side. But today I decide to hate that dark side a bit less. I decide to accept you a little bit more. Even I would like to love you a little bit. That's very difficult to love you because you are judgmental and because I have learned to hate people that are judgmental. But now I want to accept you, that part, uh, a little bit more and maybe to send you a little tiny inch of love. How do you feel judgmental, John? And uh, now me, John with a mission, I see that other John, which was judgmental, and I, I don't see judgment anymore. I see some other John floating uh, in the crowd or floating uh, behind, behind me or on my side. But on my side, without judgment, he stops judging, or he, he's into the crowd and he stopped judging too. And that's really surprising because I didn't tell him anything. And uh, contrary to the other times, I didn't tell him, hey, go back. Hey, you, you, you prevent me from doing my mission. I tried to accept it a little bit. And this let him gain peace. And maybe he's uh, somehow floating in the air and uh, going back towards me and maybe come inside me. And he knows, that part of John knows, that if some, at some point he has still this reflex of being judgmental, I will accept him so he won't have to, to continue. And so, uh, John with a mission, how do you feel right now? And uh, John, who was judgmental, how do you feel right now? And uh, I think that John judgmental feels light as air. And, jo and John with a mission feels like he's free to do his mission. So John, this is your day. Go on, put the fire on this crowd. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So we have like a parts integration process here so that John inside his mind, which he feels split, gives kind of a voice or hologram or character to the two splits. Takes away the hatred between both of them, allows his full self to be inside of him. Guided visualization where there's some change, and when the change feels good, then he come, can come back inside and reintegrate himself with greater power, poise, and then he can proceed to rock everybody's face on the stage. Indeed. Beautiful.
And so John, fact, we, we, we can do this um, uh, visualization outside any crowd, etc. But this has an effect when he's uh, back to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So John can do this in the green room before going on stage. You can do this while your driver is driving you to the event. You can visualize it that way if there's anything. Another great way for parts integration, I'll show it to you uh, later, is if you can use your hands for that. But just a quick thought, Louis, I was wondering, I was listening to you do this, and I'm thinking, were you always kind of good with this because you're a Frenchman? Or, yes, or, yes, or, yes. <laughs> what brought you to actually helping people with this? Or if there are any extremely great situations you've had on stage speaking to crowds or extremely bad ones like what got you into the game uh for me it was not so much about crowds but about conflict between one human and another human it couldn't it could be the boss with another boss or the boss with uh, with an employee or vice versa and uh and in fact conflict touched me uh, when I was uh, a kid and I when I was a young adult and I think it touched me because I had the feeling that I had no power at all I was disempowered uh, around that there was uh, anger there was suffering and I felt I couldn't do anything because uh, what I learned from uh, everybody and uh, even by myself was that uh, there are two or maybe three uh, ways to react uh, to conflict when i'm in conflict with somebody there is a fight there is flight uh, or there is freeze uh, but uh, sometimes none of, none of these options are satisfactory not at all in fact uh, and so at, at some point uh, I learned, I, I was a, a consultant at Capgemini, a consulting company, uh, and I learned things about facilitation, group facilitation, meaning helping uh, people uh, from very different background and culture uh, to build a common project, which was not so easy. So there was, uh, I learned techniques about that and, uh, and I loved that. And in fact, so you mean like, sorry, you mean like techniques to get everyone on the same page on a project? Like, so yeah. it, there's a business, there's a new project going on. Yeah. And then of course there's tension and power play and people want this and want that. And then they bring in Louie to get everyone on the same page. Yeah, yeah, they brought Capgemini and I embodied uh, that, uh, that company, but uh, yeah, with uh, several animation techniques and uh, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, in fact, at last I had some power uh, to change something when there were there was tensions. And, and this was nice and exciting for me. And uh, progressively I went to uh, individual, helping in individuals. Uh, uh, managers and, and CEOs, and I learned some types of coaching. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I like that. Um, and now I, I do conflict management or conflict coaching somehow. I'm not a coach in the certified sense of, uh, of, of coaching, 
but I do individual help. And, uh, and I discovered that conflicts uh, uh, at, at work are uh, about human relationships. And it's in fact quite the same, or the solutions are in fact quite the same as uh, conflicts uh, at home despite yeah. the fact that conflicts at home can be much more emotional but uh, it's always emotional and the problem uh, is uh, is about uh, how we don't know how to manage uh, emotions so um, so i don't know uh, yeah what were, you, you were asking me how did i jump uh, on that or how did i become that yeah, I, I uh, went from disempowered to, uh, I had some tools. So I worked and worked and, and learned about also personal development. And uh, yeah, I like that. And now my, uh, my job and my mission, it's, it's about extreme conflict resolution. And uh, yeah, I like to... Uh, uh, to be the savior sometimes it doesn't always work but sometimes i'm the savior so it's good for my ego so it's bad um, that it's good for my ego but never mind <laughs> the savior or, or the savior or the sage um mm. i was listening to you speak and i had a thought for john of course so let's say john is a doctor right he's running a practice or uh, an entrepreneur with 50 employees. And then there's something going on in the employees at the team where he needs to speak. And for some reason, he cannot bring in the sage, cannot bring in the Frenchman, cannot bring in Louis. Of course, he cannot turn into a, you know, a, a masterful extreme conflict disarmor with a few sentences, but any tips, tricks, big mistakes to avoid that John could, if he has to, at the drop of a hat, diffuse a situation or prevent escalation when speaking to crowds or doing a, uh, doing, recording a memo or even written if you have to. So big do's and don'ts that we can relate to John to help him out to avoid war at work. Yeah, during a meeting, uh, for example, yeah. you mean, or? meeting, yeah. quarter report, annual report, um, yeah. yeah, a debriefing, any type of communication where there's there's this you can feel it brewing. I've seen it in a bunch of times. You feel it, you feel the energy go, oh shit, there's something about to go down here. You know, so how to feel that, maybe acknowledge that, twist that around a little bit. Okay, so there are many ways to, to do that or to go towards that. One that comes uh, to my mind is uh, in the situation that, where he speaks and some people become agitated and ask some questions, some questions a bit hard and incisive. Yeah. And at some point, uh, he wants to react uh, uh, in a high tone, and he thinks I shouldn't do that in such a high tone. So he doesn't mm, say anything, and uh, it's panic, yeah, horrible. internal panic. Yeah. 
Then I, I would tell him uh, just uh, just before his meeting, I would tell him when you feel that it, it becomes panic and you don't know what to say, just say, ooh, right now I don't know what to say. Yeah, classic. So that he becomes congruent with himself and he shares uh, his state, uh, his current state with uh, others that others get that can be aggressive etc but uh, but when uh, when you hear i don't know what to say you can laugh or you can not laugh but mm, there is nothing to laugh about in fact so it uh, may be disarming sometimes it's one way maybe you you also know that way and sometimes uh, give that uh, to, to people you don't know uh, really about your work. But this is a great trick. And I've seen uh, the, the most successful youths I've seen of that is one of my clients is an international best-selling author. And he, he's like, a, in French, we say conférencier, yeah. like a keynote speaker. Yeah. And one time he was invited to um, a big convention with the 12 biggest speakers. And during his speech, he was in a situation where he was having a panic attack on stage because he was not feeling worthy of being on the same stage as all these 11 other big boys, but he was one of the big boys. Yeah. He started yes. panicking. He feel it at that point. Hmm. And in that moment, he owned it and said on stage, man, sorry, I'm not, this is not, I'm, having kind of a panic attack here. And because of the, the the nature of the event, this was amazing because these people were there to learn and there were 12 you know, big speakers. And the people in the audience said that his speech was the best speech of all the 12 because he showed vulnerability and emotions. Mm. This is a perfect situation for uh, you and I and him. It's, it's a incredible example, incredible example of success. Now I'm thinking about John. Now, certain Johns, that's great. But let's tackle the other one quick for a last question if you got time, just a few minutes. The other type of John is the one who is at the level, he's not yet at rock star presence, not even at executive presence. Some of them are only what I call employee of the month presence. <laughs> so they're kind of boastful and prideful and they don't want to show any emotions. Now, that is usually their downfall. At that level, that's the danger. You get called out. People don't trust you enough. So how can have you seen any examples or stories of someone who is who doesn't want to show anything? He's just, brr, he wants to muscle it. Yeah, ways to go about doing this without changing his whole personality, if possible. Yeah. I know some people like that, and I, I have known some in the past, and now I, I know uh, one less uh, guy, yeah, one less than, yeah. than before. And that guy, uh, that minus one or plus one in the past uh, was me, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, at some point I was expert in uh, not showing my emotions because emotions were, was vulnerability and vulnerability was the contrary of, of strength, vulnerability in my uh, mind or culture, personal culture, it was ba bad and uh, strong was, was good. 
so uh, I trained myself unconsciously uh, to be never surprised, uh, never disappointed, also uh, never too, uh, too happy because uh, other people could be uh, uh, jealous of me. So it could be risky or generating conflict. Uh, so in fact, yeah, difficult emotions, I hit them and, uh, and uh, nice emotions, uh, some, sometimes hit I them also too. hit them, yeah. yeah. That was a bit strange when, when I'm thinking uh, of it right now, but it was me, so I didn't have uh, any, uh, anything about that. So yeah, some people hide their emotions, so uh, uh, how do you uh, work on that? Uh, in fact, uh, there can be two steps. Uh, one uh, that is uh, letting the person that John that hides this emotion, uh, I can work with him uh, about uh, uh, having a look at when hiding emotions helps him and when hiding emotions deserves him. Yeah. And he becomes aware, he can become aware uh, that sometimes hiding emotions uh, has uh, drawbacks and doesn't uh, doesn't follow doesn't serve his uh, objectives and uh, and uh, yeah hiding emotions is is in some way uh, lying to oneself and maybe somehow unconsciously uh, lying to to the other people and uh, and yeah, people trust us less when yeah. when we hide things, and uh, and that's not uh, our objective. So um, first step is getting conscious that there are uh, some drawbacks, and second is uh, building uh, a new oneself, uh, and uh, and uh, working on change because change uh, human nature. Uh, tries to to protect itself from change, but uh, but you can work on work on that. First thing is to discover that uh, discovers the occasions uh, or the ways that it deserves uh, me. So we got two or three basic ways of responding to conflict, internal or external. We got the flight freeze or the fight either one is kind of panic mode and the way we are structured the way we are made it's you're either thinking or you're in fear unless you are a navy seal or whatever is the secret soldiers in france that are trained to withstand heavy fire like bullets flying and then explosions going off and still keep a calm head and think of what's going on in any situation you're either thinking or fearing so that's what we have here a good way to stop fearing is to give itself your whole self a voice and reintegrate yourself and then If you're having a panic attack on stage, you can acknowledge it, but sometimes it's not appropriate. So it's a good thing to do, John, speaking to you, an internal audit of when it is a good time to hide them and when is it a good time to let them go. Now, a quick note on money and conversions and sales and building an audience. 
and having your people follow you as a leader. Now, Louis was, a, was alluding to the fact that if you're trying to hide something, people can see it. it comes across as this guy's hiding something. I'm not sure if I can follow this guy. And also, if you hide too much emotion, well, then, you know, people buy ideas, products, services, uh, conditions, uh, projects, and concept on emotion. They justify with logic just later. So you got to allow yourself a bigger emotional range. Like Louis was before, limiting his high, good feeling emotions and his low ones, making himself live in a very narrow emotional range, which often provides less conversion, less sales, less leadership. So thanks to Louis here, we have John who can maybe increase his emotional range a little bit keeping it clean and in context, right? You don't, want to, you, don't, you don't want to start crying and be someone you're not. But you can let it loose. Maybe, maybe take a button off or two. Play, a bit, play it a bit looser. And that should be all right. I'll have the link in the show notes if you want to check out the Sage's stuff, Louis Bourgarel. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening, remember that information is not transformation, which is what we're all about here. And in the meantime, keep on rocking in the free world. Hi from, from France. Bye-bye.